a little bit of review there, but as I told you, this preacher, the one who's preaching the, the Hebrew sermon to his congregation, he needs to pound these things deep into the mind and hearts of his congregation. We need to be reminded again and again that we don't earn our salvation. We don't earn it by bringing sacrifices, or for us it would be offerings, giving your offering, or coming to church, or, or doing good works. That doesn't earn you your salvation. And so uh, many religions around the world are confused about this. Many branches even of the Christian church are confused about this, where works, works righteousness, in other words, they can work themselves into being righteous, um, gets, gets messed up in their minds. And so these passages of scripture are so important for us as believers to, to meditate on, to think about, and they're tied in with the rest of God's word. If you look at uh, Romans 3, for example, most of you are familiar with Romans 3, 23 and 24. You could probably recite it from memory, but it says, for all, that includes all of us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So, we know the bad news, right? We know that there's a separation uh, between us and our Heavenly Father. We know that we have broken that relationship through our sin, through our own rebellion, and that all of us have done it. The great thing about that verse is that it doesn't end with, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, period, the end. It doesn't say that. It's a comma, and then it says, and are justified freely by His grace, through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory, but we are now in Christ justified freely. Again, you didn't earn it, you didn't pay for it, you can't do anything to, to, to give that to yourself. It's not by your effort. We are justified. We are, the word justified means you, you've been made just as though you've never sinned. You've been washed and cleansed. That's the beauty of the gospel. The gospel is actually uh, two pieces, right? We have to understand the fact that we are sinners in need of a savior. That's the bad news. But the bad news is always followed by the good news. Sometimes you hear preaching, that's all bad news. Sinner, 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 sinner. Guilt, guilt, shame, shame. And they forget the good news. The good news is that Christ has come and freely by his grace, which means his gift, has redeemed you by what Christ has done. So as the preacher of Hebrews continues to preach, now in chapter 10, he's pounding this fact in. For some reason, we, we, we have a hard time with it. Maybe it's because of the way that we're raised. Maybe it's because of the way that our economy is, is, is put together and how school is, is organized. But somehow we think we have to earn our grades. We have to do the work. And salvation is not in that category. The work was already done by Jesus Christ. So no amount of law-keeping, no amount of sacrifices given, no amount of religious rituals can ever do what Jesus did. And what we're revealed to here in the scripture is that Jesus has made us holy or perfect in God's eyes. Now I know that's a hard fact for us. We don't feel too holy sometimes. We don't feel too perfect. And if you do, something's wrong with you, right? So if you think you're perfect, then there's a problem there too. 
in this world, in your relationships, in the way that you conduct yourself. But in Christ, the way God looks at you is you are perfect. You are holy because you are in Christ. And this passage tells us because we're perfect and holy in Christ, we can now draw near to a holy God. There's no more separation in worship. We can come to him in worship, in, the, in that relationship that, that just explodes from us when we realize the goodness of the grace of God. Verse 1 tells us Jesus is better. That's the name of this whole series in Hebrew is that Jesus is better. But Jesus is better because he could accomplish this great goal for us. He could bring us back to God. Remember, God wants us close. He created us because he enjoys us. He wants to be part of our lives. He has done everything he could to bridge that gap. He made it possible for us to have a personal relationship with him. And Jesus is better than everything and everybody else because Jesus is the one who did it for us, praise the Lord. We didn't do it ourselves. We could never do it ourselves. Now look at verse 2, if you if you can think of this, this verse, I'll read it to you. It's a, it says, for this reason, it can never be by the same sacrifices repeated over and over again. This is the end of verse 1. Endlessly, year after year. For this reason, it can never, it can never happen. We can never be made perfect so that we could draw near in worship. So he's pointing it out in the negative. These, these sacrifices, they don't make us perfect. But verse 2 says, if it could have... Would they not have stopped being offered? In other words, if the, if the offerings could make us perfect, wouldn't they be able to stop being offered? We don't have to do them anymore. For the worshiper would have been cleansed once and for all and would no longer have felt the guilt of their sins. So that was the problem is that this sacrificial system, which God had set up to be a, a, a gateway to open us up to the understanding of what Jesus was going to actually accomplish for us. Worshippers needed to be cleansed and they needed to be cleansed once and for all and no longer have to carry the guilt of their sin. That's what worshippers need. You can't worship if you're full of guilt. You can't worship if you've been just beaten down and you think that you are just a hideous, horrible thing. All you want to do is hide. Like Adam and Eve, they ran and they hid because their sin gave them that sense of guilt and that desire to hide themselves from God. In verse 4 he says, those sacrifices don't work because it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away our sins. It's impossible for anything that we do to take away our sins. This is accomplished through Christ. Now here's this question. So if it's impossible for anything to take us take take us sins and our guilt away, what can take away our sins? What can remove our feelings of guilt? Anybody dare to guess? The blood of Jesus. Yeah, there's that old song. What can wash away my sin? Let's hear it. All right. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Verse 5 makes it clear that God didn't want sacrifices or offerings after Christ. Christ now has come and finished that work. It even says in verse 5 that God wasn't even pleased with those offerings, those sacrifices. It didn't please God. He was being patient. He was waiting for just the right moment to send his son 
But it's not like he loved that part of worship, the blood, the gore, the, the continual sacrifice of animals in their flesh. God had a better plan. So what can please a holy God? Only a holy sacrifice. Christ himself. He lived with no sin. He was tempted in every way, but he never sinned. He lived to please his Father. In fact, his Father tells us from heaven in Matthew 3, 17, this is my beloved Son, he says of Jesus, in whom I'm well pleased. So offerings and sacrifices didn't please God, but Jesus did please God. Now, how did Jesus please God? How did he please him? He pleased him because he did what God wanted him to do. He followed the plan. He carried out the plan of salvation. And he was tempted. We know this because in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, on the night of his arrest, he struggled, but was able to overcome the struggle of his fear of death on the cross, of his fear of all that humiliation and that pain and the torment. He lifted his life to God as a living sacrifice and said, Not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. And Jesus also taught his disciples when he taught them to pray, to pray for God's will. Thy will be done, the Lord's Prayer says, here on earth as it is in heaven. Now thy will means God's will, not my will. I have to enunciate that. Thy will. Thy means God. My means mine. Often we're saying, my will be done. Even when we pray sometimes, we're praying for our will to be done. But it's God's will that pleases God when we follow his plan. And that's what Christ did perfectly. Verse 10 says, it is by Christ doing God's will that we've been made holy through his sacrifice once and for all. Now Hebrews 10 answers this question, how can we become holy? How? How does it happen? Holiness is only the result of a right relationship with God. And we can only have that by trusting in Christ and his relationship with God. He shares that with us. He gives us his righteousness. When we accept his gift of eternal life and the forgiveness of our sins, if we have not placed our faith in God's Son, salvation from that we are very wrong we're acting we're doing those things we're giving those offerings those sacrifices where we're offering to to do good works if we think those are earning our righteousness we have missed the point and that's what the preacher of hebrews doesn't want us to miss your righteousness comes from christ alone now if we are truly believers, then we must recognize that our position in Christ automatically sets us apart from our relationship with sin. So if we were separated from God because we were sinners or we had sin dominating our lives, when Christ comes and washes us and gives us his righteousness and puts us in right relationship with God, our relationship with sin has changed. I'm not saying we're not sinning anymore. 
No, we're not perfect in our behavior in every way, but our relationship with sin has changed. We are no longer slaves to sin. In fact, Peter, the disciple, he did a good job of, of helping to define what we are once we come into Christ. In 1 Peter 2.9, it says, but you are chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're God's special possession. You belong to him. So that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. You can't be in darkness and be in light at the same time. Have you noticed that? Sometimes they say, well, twilight. Well, okay. But you can't be in complete darkness and complete light at the same time. So if you've been called by Christ and received the gift of salvation, you've been called out of darkness and into light. If you've come into this relationship with God, it's like you've joined God's team. Like he's chosen you, you know, you, you, you wanted to, to, to try out for that football team. He's chosen you to be on the team. So now you're on the team. You get the jersey, you get the equipment, you get the practice schedule, you get the game schedule. You're on his team. But here's the thing. We need to show up. Right? We need to show up for practice. We need to show up for the game. If you're on his team but you don't show up, then there's a problem with your with your understanding of your relationship. You're now a team member. You're on God's team. And so you're there to play and you're there to learn what your position is on the team. And you're there to, to participate and do the drills. Because God has chosen you. You're chosen. Your holy priesthood. You're, you're, you're God's own special possession. So if you've come into this relationship with God, then you have victory over sin. You have victory over death. We know that when we die in Christ, we will be with him in paradise, in heaven. But our relationship with sin also has to begin to reflect a change. You cannot live under the bondage of sin and be a slave to Christ to be a servant of God. So all, all you need to be holy is to accept the gift of Christ's righteousness, his right relationship with God. The moment you accept Jesus, you are declared holy, righteous, forgiven. And then progressively, as you live out your life in that reality, you begin to change called sanctification is a fancy word but you begin to change the, the habits the ways in which you are attracted to darkness begin to change you no longer want to be in fellowship with darkness you desire to be in fellowship with the light because that's who you truly are you know that's your team so now having realized that God in his mercy has extended his forgiveness to you if you just accept that gift the result is is that you should be a little more holy as time goes by. When you see him face to face, if you like the thief on the cross, he's, he's a perfect example for us. If you were to die the moment you accepted Christ, you would be instantly completed in Christ and holy in his presence because you can't bring sin with you, right? But when we're living here in this world and we've been part of the world, part of the darkness, we've all participated in it, we've all have sinned and fallen short, and we are yet to be in heaven where there is no 
opportunity for sin is only goodness and love and grace and the fulfillment of all God's promises. We, we're, we're in that already but not yet. We're already holy but not yet completely washed in the everyday behavior. There's times when we choose again to go back into those habits, back into that behavior. Does not change who you are in Christ. You are still in Christ. Don't lose your salvation by falling into sin and needing to repent of that sin and ask for God's strength and cleansing and, and, and wholeness to continue to walk in the fullness of God. His mercy is extended to you in forgiveness eternally. His unfailing love. When the Old Testament taught about the Old Covenant, the law, the way that they taught it was that somehow holy living, if you keep this whole law, you will become, through the holy living, through your own effort, through your sacrifices, through all of that, you'll become righteous. But righteousness is letting Christ live inside of you. And as he lives his life in you, as you begin to recognize his direction, his leading as your good shepherd, you will produce a holy life. Our daily life is simply living in the truth of who we are in Christ. Each day we grow in our awareness of Christ. We come to church, we go to Bible study, we fellowship in the Word with others as well as in our own private time so that we can learn to live what God says that we already are. Because we have put our faith in Christ. We've been chosen to be on God's team. So because Jesus fulfilled the will of God for us and died on the cross in our place, this is what makes verse 10 so powerful. We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Would you read that with me? Sometimes we have to hear, hear it, hear ourselves saying it. Let's read this together. We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. When that sinks in and begins to really take root in the way that we think and feel and behave, our behavior does change. We become a whole new creation, a whole new creature in Christ, Scripture says. The old has gone and the new has come. But we have to remember the truth of God's Word. In fact, Scripture says it's the truth that sets you free. Free from what? Free from your past. Free from your bad habits, free from your sinful behavior, is the truth. And the truth is, read it one more time, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. That is the good news of the gospel. Now, we don't walk around all puffed up like we're perfect because we know we're still a work in progress. We can't walk around with pride in a, in a human sense because of what God has done. We didn't do it ourselves. The only thing we did is we, we, we responded to the invitation of the Spirit to become a child of God. He did all the rest. That 
Lyric. Holy Lamb of God has come to take away our sins and make us alive again. I pray that by the Spirit of God you have accepted that truth and let Jesus in and then live into that truth that he has made you holy and perfect in God's eyes. You didn't do it. You couldn't do it. We all have sinned. We all fall short. That's the bad side of the gospel. But the good side is that you have been justified freely by God's grace through what Jesus has done. To be justified should relieve us of our guilt and shame and want us to worship God with our whole being because he would do such a great thing for us. Amen? So as we go from this place, may we take that truth that the Spirit of God has given us. That if we are in Christ, we are holy. We are welcome into God's very presence. His very throne room we'll hear about in a few weeks. We can boldly enter into a throne room with God with no shame, with no guilt, with no fear, because of what Christ has done. This is why we worship Jesus. This is why we don't worship ourselves, we don't worship our church, we don't worship the, you know, the Bible, we worship Jesus because God has revealed himself in Christ alone. And once and for all, he's dealt with sin and death and hell. And they've all been defeated because of the blood of Jesus shed for you. Remind yourself of the gospel every day. Even when you mess up, remind yourself of the gospel. It's very powerful. It'll bring you back to worship. Because the truth that we are sinners shouldn't make us hide from God or pull away from God. It should draw us into the closeness of God. Amen? Amen.